How we doing, everybody? And welcome back to the Esports Forever podcast. My name is Ryan B. Hebert alongside Jacob Schrader. And today, a very special guest, another Splinterlands content creator, possibly a level above, if not next to Luke, WTP, Bulldog1205. Bulldog, how we doing today? I'm doing outstanding. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am. I'm super excited to be here. So glad we could have you on. Jacob, we've got some big news to start out this podcast today. Please take it away. Yeah, so you know we have some big news uh, just in general. We had a couple of tournaments announced this week. Um, but first and foremost, I'd like to introduce our sponsor for our podcast and for our esports tournaments. As we did, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit on Tuesday, but EMP Money uh, is an awesome platform that provides access to an algo coin called EMP. Right, and this algo coin allows you to, you know, it's basically pegged to Ethereum at a 4,000 to one ratio. Uh, and that gives you access to, you know, really high growth and high yield opportunities um, for, for, you know, investing opportunities, but with access and exposure to Ethereum. Uh, it's, it's a really cool platform. They have a couple other coins called eShare and eBond, which basically allow the community to help self-regulate the, uh, the, the price of EMP and keep it pegged. Um, so, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of cool things. Um, it's, it's a really great site. You can buy um, EMP on PancakeSwap or any decentralized exchange. Um, and the website is just emp.money. So if you want to check it out, I would certainly recommend it. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to EMP Money. Great to have them on as a sponsor for the podcast. But, you know, let's deep dive into bulldog now when i say deep dive let's start with the surface okay we're not gonna break the ice just yet bulldog we'll get there okay you can go rough and rowdy as we deep dive a little bit later but for now i want to get a little bit of your background okay tell us a little bit about you just real brief and then we'll keep going so i am i'm a content creator for splinterlands and actually am in the position or in the the process of taking over as community manager for Splinterlands. So not only am I making contents, you're going to see me all around the Splinterlands community, Discord, all that type of stuff uh, as well. Um, and I've been making, I've been making content creation for about five years now. So I've been around, so I'm not new to it, but it's just for this last year that everything's kind of, kind of taken off for me. So it's been, it's been a, very quick last six months it's been it's been exciting yeah and, and so that kind of growth in the last year that sounds like it's mainly due to blockchain and crypto gaming right is that around that time are you trying to kind of start to focus on crypto gaming yeah absolutely so i started um so i joined splinterlands around may and that's actually the first time i've ever directly interacted with anything on blockchain to be honest wow. um was not familiar with with any of it at all i just kind of joined for the for the game and decided kind of looked and saw that hey there's there's not really a lot of a lot of guides or anything like that so i just started decided to kind of start making some and it just absolutely absolutely took off i was definitely not expecting this when i joined yeah and you know, how did you find splinterlands right in, in may splinterlands was not a popular game right it, it's kind of surprising you found it out of nowhere I, I just happened to see somebody, somebody tweeting about it and kind of, kind of clicked on it. It was just kind of a random thing. Um, 
I like, I've always liked card games and those types of things and was intrigued by the quick battles, was intrigued by the idea that like I'd be, I was never trying to make money, but I was intrigued by, by the idea that when I was done playing, I could sell off what I, what I, what I had accumulated, even if like, even if that was only for 25% of what I spent on it, that would be a lot more than I was coming from a game where I'd spent probably $10,000 over four years. And then it was just all gone at the end. When I was done playing, there was nothing I could do with it. So the, the idea of retaining my assets was, was kind of intriguing and I decided to give it a try. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of creators in the Splinterland space and in blockchain in general, I feel like you obviously don't just, you know, come into gaming and go, Oh yeah, I know about blockchain based games and, I am now a pro and, and an expert. You know, I, I feel like for a lot of people, including myself, uh, it's just you stumble upon it or you happen to get picked up into a role like at Zen Sports, for example, you become a community manager. And then all of a sudden, one of, you know, the the titles that you're doing there is uh, is is Splinterlands. And so, you know, my introduction to it has been a, a little bit more guided. I've been able to hold a hand. But uh, for yourself you've created that hand to hold for so many different people. In fact, over 20,000 people on your YouTube channel to date have been able to take the advice and the help that you've given to them and take that and put it into the game, which is very, very impressive. So again, thank you so much uh, on behalf of the Splinterlands community. They're going to be so lucky to have you on as a community manager. So I cannot wait to see what you're going to be doing with them. But okay. So crypto, blockchain gaming, Splinterlands, obviously you got some background there. That's great. We scratched the surface, Bulldog, but now it's time to break the ice. So you're doing content creation. It's a big part of your life, but you got to tell us what are you doing when you're not eat, sleeping, or creating content, okay? Because I expect I told Luke this. 40 hours a week of content so that I have full-time engagement into the game itself. So what the heck are you doing outside of content creation right now? What's what's exciting to you? What's what's making your everyday go by besides sitting in front of the camera and doing what you do best? It feels like there's not a lot of time outside of that, to, to be honest. Um, but but no, I've got I've got two kids that are age four and six. So that eats up pretty much most of the the rest of the time you're telling me wait hold uh, on a sec not much time outside of splinterlands and then oh, i've got two kids so you know I, that's huge that's huge bulldog oh my god well congratulations that's amazing. how old are they so four four and six four and six equals 10 together and that is wow 10 out of 10 that's fantastic um okay so you you've got two kids that takes up i'm sure it takes up a lot of your time um any creative passions or anything like that besides obviously content creation um i don't i don't necessarily know about creative uh passions but uh i like to i like to go play to play basketball as much okay. as i can that's kind of how i that's how i get my my exercise in it's actually where i just came from earlier i'm always at the, the gym playing pickup games so that's that's probably my my biggest hobby bulldog if you tried to see me dribble a ball down the court uh, you'd, you know, we'd, we'd all be at shame. Okay. So there's a reason why I'm sitting here and we're doing an interview instead of at the basketball court down the street. Okay. But, uh, I love this. I love this. So basketball, that sort of thing, any favorite games besides the one, uh, that you're obviously really into, which is Splinterlands. Uh, cause obviously you found Splinterlands. What were you doing before? 
So, well, the, the game I was covering before was Star Wars Galaxy of, Galaxy of Heroes, which was a Star Wars mobile game. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you recognize that game? You say that like you you might be familiar with it. I'm I'm not a pro by any means, and I am completely an amateur. But I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So really, anything having to do with Star Wars, I I I do it. I see it. I watch it. I consume it. Bulldog, um, I do it all. So that's that's really really cool. So so yeah, I like strategy games. So I was I was excited. A few weeks ago, they announced that there's going to be a new Star Wars strategy game being made. So I was I was pumped about that. Even though it's not on blockchain, I might have to go back to a non-blockchain game for for once. Uh, the the Star Wars kind of kind of draws me in a little bit. It's it's my weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they do a great job with Star Wars video games. There have been quite a few that have been really really good games. I think it was Battlefront Two. Uh, which came out when I was, you know, probably 10, which was on the PSP. I played that forever. Um, but then the, the recent online games by EA, you know, I know, I actually think it was called Battlefront 2 again. Um, but, you know, I know it got kind of trashed because of the microtransactions, but at its core, that game was, it was a lot of fun and it looked like stunning. Um, I've always been a fan of Star Wars video games. Um, you know, Lego Star Wars 2, I think they just do a great job with them. Yeah, there's a brand new Lego Star Wars game coming coming out as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. oh, I brought it up on our podcast, <laughs> uh, our news podcast that we do every week. I brought it up. Um, I am very very excited. But moving on from the uh, the the Star Wars here, because I mean I love that. But the focus here, okay, we're deep diving on you, Bulldog. We're not deep diving on on the uh, Star Wars uh, content creation. Are you doing it full time right now? So. Well, I decided to start doing it full time, mm-hmm. um, and that didn't last very long because I ended up taking an offer from from Splinterlands, so full time. So, uh, I mean, some of that is going to involve content creation and continuing to do things like that. I want to like stream a lot of tournaments and, and do do things like that and, and be able to interact with the community a lot. Um, but but yeah, so my time as a as like full time on my own channel content creation was was fairly brief. Okay. Yeah. And does the the community manager role with Splinterlands means you're not going to be streaming other games? Um, I'd love to hear what's going on there. No, I, I will still be I will still be streaming other games and and things like that. Um, I'm not, honestly not a hundred percent sure what all my restrictions will will be there. I know I'm still allowed to continue operating my my channel. Um, and that involves a lot of other other games, but there, I don't, there, I mean, there might be some changes there, but, but in general, other than there not being quite as much content from, from other games or, or things like that, because I'll be spending more time on Splinterlands, it's, it's basically going to be the same. Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's important because I think your channel is more than just Splinterlands. I think you're kind of seen as someone who provides insight into the, the, you know, what's happening in blockchain games now. Um, you know, for a while that really was Splinterlands, right? Over the past seven months, what was happening in blockchain games was, was Splinterlands. Um, but, you know, I've always seen new videos from you like Thetan Arena and then just general news topics. Uh, so I think it's awesome you're going to keep doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Thetan Arena was, I was kind of planning on splitting 50-50 with Splinterlands and Thetan Arena. And then Thetan Arena's ran into some some problems that are are complicated but but yeah i'm not sure how much we're going to see that anymore but in general there will be other games it is so what, what happened with you know what were the problems with the arena so i mean it's kind of hard to explain and for for those who aren't necessarily familiar with the game but the they they've got they, they essentially took a game um they had a 
essentially a MOBA game that they created that was not on the blockchain and they ported it to the blockchain. So they had a, they had a, a fun game to play, but they've completely screwed up the economy. They don't know how to communicate with, with people. There's, there's so many issues there. Um, and the, the inflation with their coin is just out of control because they, they haven't been able to manage it yet. So we'll, we'll see. There's still a chance they could get things fixed, but it's, it's not looking too good there. Yeah, that uh, that sounds like a little bit of a mess, Bulldog. I'm not gonna lie. So I'm hoping they can get it fixed out for you and uh, for everyone else who's a fan. But sometimes it's just the ebb and flow. Um, market prices go up and down, and inflation is well sometimes inevitable, depending on the product and and what's going on, especially in in the space that we're in. So it just happens sometimes. Um. So I noticed that you've spent a lot of time on YouTube. Do you prefer YouTube over some of the other platforms such as Twitch or Facebook gaming? So I, I've, I've done a lot of things on, on YouTube just because that's where my, my viewers already are. So anytime I live stream there, it's going to be a lot larger. I have recently actually separated my live streams from my, my like on-demand videos um, with YouTube. So I'm going to be streaming to actually YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, all of it at once. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I'll, have a, I'll have a separate YouTube channel for my live streams just because the YouTube al algorithm is so trash for live streaming mm -hmm. that when you live stream, it hurts your other videos. So we're trying to separate that a little bit. Um, so I'll be on all of them, but I, I feel like for live streaming, Twitch is actually the one that I like the best. There's a lot of kind of interesting tools there. And unfortunately, I'm not allowed to be an affiliate there if I'm going to multi-stream, which is, is a pain, kind of takes away some of those tools. But, but it's still, they, they've got a, their live streaming platform tends, tends to be the best, I think. Yeah, discoverability is always a challenge with live streaming platforms. We've had this discussion with other creators and internally before about what is the best way to get viewers and folks into your stream. And we find that it isn't necessarily just putting yourself up there and hoping that people just stop in. That's not enough. And what you've done is build a community before expecting there to be large amounts of viewers just popping in for no reason. You know, they have a reason. You're Bulldog1205. You know, they're a part of your community. Okay, rough, rough. Let's go. Okay? Like, they, they are there for you, the content that you are creating. And that is how you're going to see increased viewership because – Man, if you're trying to trying to hang on to whatever you know glimpse of discoverability any of these platforms may have, uh, it's it's really fleeting. I mean, the only one that has it that's you know a completely different form of content from what you're doing is TikTok. And I mean, <laughs> like I don't know, have you gotten into TikTok at all with anything that you've been doing? Because I know, like, for one second you can have five views, the next moment you could have five thousand within an hour, right? I, I have not gotten on TikTok. I feel like I should. There's so many people there. That's a uh, a good marketing thing. Um, I don't know. It's just not the TikTok style isn't necessarily my style. So, but I, I probably should get uh, get some sort of presence over there. Yeah, I you know I I hear you, man. And uh, I I every content creator I speak with on this, it's it's really the same thing. You know, it's extra work. It's an extra step to everything that you're doing already. And so the convenience of, you know, needing to then make shorter clips out of content that you've done. I mean, it's just a pain in the butt, but it can be promising and it can deliver for you in different ways uh, if you put the time in. So 
you know, I, I know you're doing what's best for you. I trust in that. I always give the recommendation for TikTok. It's a lot of fun. You know, we're still working on the one for Zen Sports. So I, I can't sit here and be like, oh, you know, I, I'm doing all this great work for Zen Sports. No, no. Okay, we're still working on ours. It's a, it's a, it's a passion project, really. It's what it is. So, okay, Jacob, let's let's talk about this real quick here. Splinterlands guides in general. I mean, they are such a great way for people to learn. Um, and, and Bulldog, does, you know, do, do creating these guides for you kind of light the creative passion and that wants you to, to keep making them for your community? Because you, you see how they help people. You see people understand what's going on more so than they did when they weren't watching your videos. Are these guides that you hope to keep doing obviously you know you know, when you sign up with for this new role with splinterlands you know barring restrictions like let's say they don't put any restrictions on your account okay do you see yourself continuing with splinterlands guides in the future or do you hope to move on to some bigger and uh better ideas for the future if if that even exists Oh yeah, I absolutely. That's kind of the, the core of my channel is, is making guides and trying to help new play. Well, I mean, it's kind of started out with new players getting, getting into it. Um, I'd like to expand and have different types of, of guides, but it just like, okay, I got all my, I got all my new player guides set up. And then it was like, okay, now we released a whole new set. Now all of those guides are kind of invalid. It's like, okay, I got to go back and redo all of those guides and that type of thing. Um, but, but no, I do enjoy those. And I feel like I feel like it helps the game, especially with Splinterlands. And I think kind of one of the one of the reasons my channel blew up was because Splinterlands doesn't really do a very good job in the game of, of teaching the game to new players. So a lot of people are looking for an external source there. And I, I feel like I feel like it's kind of benefited me that I I didn't understand blockchain when I got in the game. Cause that was one of the things when I was like looking at different guides and things like that is even in not just Splinterlands, but crypto in general, people are not very good about making guides. And it seems like every guide I look at, it's like they assume that everybody understand, already has, understands what's going on with crypto and things like that. Like I remember looking, when I first started looking at this and, and looking through guides, and it was like, I kept having to, to stop and go to different places to look up what they even mean. Like even just simple things, like they were talking about using your wallet. I started playing. I didn't know what a wallet was. Like I had no idea what a wallet even was. And, and these guides just assume that you know what that is. And it just gets so overwhelming as you're, you're looking through all of these. So I think it kind of helped that I was maybe a little more relatable because I also didn't understand what was going on. And I was able to break things down a little better. So, so I, I like doing that. And it's, it's rewarding when you, when you make a video and see, oh, it gets 50,000 views or, or whatever it is. And, and that's, uh, that's certainly rewarding. Yeah. I think, I think one thing that benefits your channel is the fact that you have the ability to make guides on all, you know, all deck levels, right? You know, some or, or many of the Splinterlands content creators, um, you know, really I'm thinking about Luke. He, he sticks to rookie and, and bronze leagues. Um, but you can do those, but you can also go up to, you know, all the way to champion level. Um, you know, I, you, you think that kind of variability allowed you to grow quicker? Yeah. I mean, it's helped now. Um, but as far, like when I was growing, I was, I was still only playing at, at bronze and silver and, and that type of thing. Um, so luckily I was able to grow very quickly and, and I got, I got in before all the prices skyrocketed. So, so I was able to, to get up to, to gold and diamond decks without having to spend tens of thousands of dollars. So, so that was nice. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, it, it does certainly help that I, that I've got, 
I can I can make videos at, at a bunch of different levels. Although yeah. sometimes it sometimes it hurts having having I'm playing a diamond and champion all the time. And then sometimes it can it can be harder to relate relate with with the bronze or the silver players or that type of thing. I did create a second account so I can go back and play those and, and get a get a better feeling for how the game's changed a little bit. Um, but it's it can still be hard because you can't there's not enough time to play at like all four levels of the game and really understand all because each level is a, a completely different experience. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's interesting that you said that you didn't have any crypto knowledge, uh, you know, when you came into Solidarlands. But I would say, you know, so much of your content now is, is economy based, right? You really do have a really good understanding of, you know, SBS, DEC, how they relate, you know, how Solidarlands relates to the, the crypto market in general. Right. I understand you probably learned a lot of this just by playing, but are there you know, other content creators that you've watched um, or, or just what methodologies did you use to learn so fast about the, the crypto economy in Splitlands? Oh, I mean, and, and I, was, I wasn't familiar with crypto economy, but I was, I mean, I was certainly familiar with, with things like stock markets and, and things like that. Um, so it's all similar concepts that, that kind, of, kind of come over. I, I wouldn't say there was necessarily one certain place the, that I learned anything it's just been kind of kind of experience and and trying and learn some, sometimes you learn by by failing and, and then sometimes you feel like you know what's going on and the crypto market just acts completely irrationally anyways so so you never really know but uh but no I mean it's basically just been been learning from experience failure I find is sometimes the best lesson which is sort of cheesy to say but uh it really is true I mean through any life lesson uh being able to fail, realize the failure, and then learn from it sometimes is a greater achievement than getting an easy win or uh, picking something up right away. So it's uh, it's a great learning lesson. I wanted to ask you, how do you see the growth of Splinterlands from here on out? I mean, you're about to join the, t the community team um, as a community manager, so obviously it hopefully is going to keep growing. And especially after the AMA that Splinterlands hosted yesterday, which... Uh, we'll get to one of the biggest topics from that in a little bit here. Um, and Jacob, this is for you too, if you'd like. How do you guys see Splinterlands growing from here on out? I mean, uh, there's tons of possibilities out there. But uh, Bulldog, I'll start off with you. What do you What do you think? So, so no, I think I mean we're still so early in this. There is still so much room for room for growth. Um, I think I think the the biggest way that the Splinterlands is going to grow compared to a lot of these other things is that that there's actually going to be to be a fun game and i think that's that's part of the, the marketing here you see so many of these games that, that pump and then they, they their economy is only designed to do well when the user base is growing and then as soon as that growth stops then the game just completely falls apart because nobody wants to nobody wants to play it if they're not making money or anything like that um i mean this is more similar to thing to things like your pokemon and your magic the gathering that people have spent tons of money on for, for years and, and played without ever having to make money. Mm -hmm. And now once people kind of, kind of realize that, that you can do this type of thing and possibly make money on the, on the, um, on it as well. Um, and I think right now there's, there's kind of slow growth because we've seen, I mean, we're kind of in a little bit of a lull period. I think once, some of these new things start to come once SPS gets some more utility, which we're starting to see is, as we'll talk about here in a, in a little bit with our, with our new card. Mm -hmm. um, but as SPS gets some more utility and um, that's going to help with, with some of the 
correct some of the the market things right now but it's kind of it's kind of weird because everybody like when splinterlands was was growing at like with the sps token i guess was the price was growing at what ended up being an unsustainable rate a few months ago everybody's fomoing in and wanting to buy and wanting to buy and they're complaining about the prices of everything but yet they keep buying and then it's like okay we're we're this dip here was was predicted. It was predicted that once Chaos Legion came out and made prices more affordable, that some of the old prices was go, would go down. And then once that brought in new players and everything and that sold out, the prices are going to go back up. And now everything's more affordable and now people don't want to buy. And it's like, this is what you wanted. This is exactly what you were waiting for. And, and now you don't want to buy. So we'll see. I think we'll kind of slowly see new players come into the game. And then Chaos Legion will sell out and prices will start to skyrocket and everybody will panic and then more and more players will try to join the game as as they that fomo kicks in so so i, I don't know this is kind of a, a time where this is the best time to join the game but you don't see the the growth rates because you're not seeing the earnings at, at this moment but that'll change yeah. yeah and you know why do you think sps is going to skyrocket after chaos Legion sells out well so there and again i the market doesn't always act rationally, so it's it's hard to, to predict. But there's a, there's a lot of things coming with with SPS. So we saw SPS spike because like back in October, whenever it was, because people wanted vouchers for the pre-sale. Um, the only way to get vouchers, other than I mean buying them on the market, but the way to earn vouchers is by having SPS staked. So vouchers are going to have a have utility. People bought into to SPS to get those vouchers. And then after the pre-sale, the vouchers weren't worth very much. So people didn't care about staking their SPS or, or hoarding that. So the price went down a little bit. So you're going to see SPS add a lot more, a lot more utility with it's going to be needed to, to buy the Rift Watcher set. It's the end the vouchers are going to be needed for this promo card that, that we're going to talk about. They've said that vouchers are going to be needed for, for basically everything that comes into the game. It's going to be involved, SPS is going to be involved in land. Uh, as SPS gains more and more utility, we're going to see more and more. At least I think we're going to see more and more spikes, like we saw before that that presale. Um, and there's going to be more more desire for it. And yeah. then and then the the rate of SPS production is going to go down here in the next few oh, months. Oh yeah. As like the the venture capitalists that bought in early, their supply ends in April, I think. Uh, the airdrop ends in July-ish, so those those sources of SPS are, are going to be shut off. Um, so people won't be gaining it as much. So there, yeah. there's a lot of reason to think that it's going to to go up. Um, and the the airdrops don't end, right? To just decrease by half or or twenty percent, right? No, the air the so the SPS airdrop was is only for a year, so it ends in July or, or so. Uh, are you sure? I thought I thought the rate just decreased. I thought it was a five-year airdrop period. It just the rate decreases each year. No, it's just the the initial airdrop is just a, a year. Now they're still staking. Um, there's going to be battle rewards. There are other things that are five or even six. I think some are sixty-five months. Um, but no, I'm pretty. Uh, you've got me questioning it now. But yeah. no, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure the the airdrop because uh, because like when you go to the the Splinterland site, if you if you click on SPS like. I think it shows yeah like airdrop day it says 199 of 365 so we've got so we've got what 166 days left of that of that airdrop so and then that's that's going to change a bunch of things because right now dec value is tied to sps because you can earn at sps from that airdrop 
everybody's kind of panicking. Okay. When SP, when that airdrop ends is DEC going to crash because it doesn't have that value anymore. And they're talking about how they're going to completely change how that utility token works, but they're going to wait until after the airdrop to do it. So we're going to see what happens with, with that token. There's going to be a bunch of changes to the economy. I know Matt's super excited about the economy because he can kind of, they've hired a lot more people. So he gets to, to kind of step back from doing a lot of the, the actual hands-on the like programming and focus more on developing a, a cool economy and, and doing a lot of things with, with that. So, so it's exciting. I'm excited to see what comes. Okay. I'm looking at the white paper. I think there's some element of, of five years into it. Um, but you know, if we're not sure about it, I think we should just focus on other things. You know, I would say for the growth of Splinterlands, the biggest thing is just more games. Uh, you know, Splinterlands at its core is a, is a game studio. Um, and, you know, I think they've, they've really knocked down the economy side of games. Uh, they've done that through Splinterlands. But, you know, if they have the economy down, which is really the most important part, right, you know, moving on to, to potentially more mainstream games, you know, I know they're going to keep supporting Splinterlands, but I think the biggest thing for the growth of, you know, Splinterlands, the company, is, is just new games, right? New games with branded IP, new games that are, are shooter games and, and more mainstream. I think that is, you know, the biggest opportunity of growth for the Splinterlands. Oh yeah, if they if they start getting into the other types of games that that are fun to play, I mean that that can that can really skyrocket things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you both sharing your insight into the growth of Splinterlands because I'm a noob, and so uh, my my take on the growth is um, I just hope it keeps getting getting better, and I I really am intrigued by the idea of having Splinterlands be this, you know, this game studio that really has the potential to break out into even more types of different games. And I mean, who knows the possibilities are really endless for them. This, this card game that they have right now is really, it can be just the beginning. So I'm excited to see where Dak goes now, pivoting from the growth of Splinterlands to the growth of Bulldog one, two Oh five, 20,000 subs and growing on YouTube how do you see the growth of your channel going? I mean, you've seen a spectacular six months here. Um, do you see this exponential growth continuing? And are you are you hopping on the, the exponential rocket of growth here uh, by constantly creating new content? I mean, what is your current plan as of right now to make sure that you keep seeing the type of growth that you want to see? So the, the exponential growth has definitely slowed down a lot. And it's, I mean, it's so, it's so hard to predict. Like when I, even when I first created my channel, I had no intentions of being a content creator. I just put up a, a video that happened to be interesting. Like I found a loophole in a game and put up a video Yeah. and it just happened, happened to get like a hundred thousand views and it's like, okay, well maybe I should, maybe I should con continue this. So like if I, like if I pulled up a, like how my channel's grown over the last five years, it's generally steady with with just kind of random, random, huge, uh, huge bursts. Cause you never really know when a video is going to be huge or anything. Um, so it, it's kind of nice being able to go back to not necessarily being full-time where I don't have to stress about how my channel's growing or how a video is doing or anything like that. And I can kind of just do it for fun. And if a video takes off and I get a bunch of subs then that's awesome. And then if not, that's, that's okay. The, my, again, my, my brief time as a, as a full-time content creator was, it was definitely, definitely fun, but it, it was also kind of more stressful than I, than I imagined. Like sometimes you put in so much work into a video and then it kind of falls flat and doesn't get a lot of views. And it's kind of, it's kind of disheartening a little bit. 
and and or you'll have a time where okay like the like i do a lot of stuff with sponsors and the the crypto market took a downturn for a little while so sponsors weren't weren't uh weren't really there mm -hmm. um people weren't spending as, as much money there so I don't have to stress about that and I can just make stuff for fun. And if the channel does well, then that that's awesome. And if not, then I'll do my Splinter Lanes community managed stuff and enjoy that. And, and it's all good. That's sweet. That's, that's really, I, I love that. I really do. Because the thing that I get out of what you just said, that is the most important is if you're not having fun creating and doing what you're doing um, at the end of the day, you're going to make yourself miserable. And I think anyone who's ever done content creation, and including myself, I do a ton of content creation for uh, Pokemon because uh, I'm a huge Pokemon fan and nerd. I mean, I had Poliwhirl on my microphone here before we started the podcast. Um, if you're not having fun doing it, you're literally going to drive yourself crazy. And it's just it's going to destroy the passion for something that you really loved. And so, you know, so a lot of content creators start out in this place of fun and sometimes they end up in a place of business focused on money, you know, trying to make certain deals happen. And they they lose sight of what they were initially looking for. And so I'm really happy to hear that you're doing this for you and for your community and to just get the most out of it that you want to get out of it and to have fun along the way. Okay. Well, Doc, we've we've broken the ice. We've deep dived. We've we gone into some big stuff here. So now we're going extra deep into the dark under depths below the ice, into the cold, frigid world of esports and how Splinterlands may fit into that. So let's talk about the card, the announcement from the AMA. Lots was dropped, but this big one was huge. Waka Spirit Blade, wow, I almost said that wrong, <laughs> is a huge deal for Splinterlands with a partnership with Waka Flocka Flame. We've seen deals like this with other games such as Fortnite making continuous skins for celebrities. Um, and, you know, with, with Fortnite, that game being a game where players can literally enter into a metaverse-like world because it's literally a video game. And so, you know, they've hosted concerts for various artists. And their latest deal right now has been with Dwayne The Rock Johnson um, as one of their, like, main title characters. They had this big reveal this past season. Um, is this the new trend for games like Splinterlands? Uh, you know, because we were talking about this a little bit before uh, before the po podcast recording started that, you know, this is, this is a big deal. And this is, uh, you know, the cards are really going to be affordable to to the whales of, of Splinterlands, the people who, who have the money to invest and to really be able to purchase something like this. Is that, is that feasible? Is that really who it should be for? I mean, shouldn't there be a supply for the common player, someone in gold or diamond or, or even, you know, in those lower ranks to be able to say, look, I am a part of this community just as much as this dude who has a lot more money than me. So what, what's the deal? Is this the future? Do the whales need to be the ones that get to feast on the bountiful riches of, of these of these huge deals? Or can someone like me, a common scrub, be able to get a walk of spirit blade? You know, I mean, obviously with money, you know, anything is possible. But okay, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, and I, I mean, and I don't know, I don't have any inside information or know any of the any of the the marketing that went on or or the deals that were that were struck there um and i, I don't know if splinterlands 
if that was their intention, like, okay, we want to have a card that we can charge a bunch for that. Or if it's, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at things from, from like Waka's perspective, whether he wants it to be, be more limited on, on his side, I know I, I was very surprised that it was a max level only. And that's one of the things that's going to make it available for only whales is that you have to buy a max level card. And that might be something where like, so they're, they're selling some of these on like atomic hub as well, not even just in the game. And I don't, I don't know if on his side, maybe that's something where, okay, if we had 11 different versions of the card, you have, you have 11 BCX. That might be something that's confusing for somebody that's a, a walk of fan and wants to go buy a card on atomic hub, even if they don't care about Splinterlands or that type of thing. I don't, like maybe they just try to keep it as simple as possible. So that might be kind of part of the marketing mm -hmm. deal where it's, they didn't have a choice to, to make it, uh, to, to offer a level one version that's available for bronze. Again, I'm just kind of theorizing here. I don't, I don't have behind the scenes access. I, as a community manager, I don't, uh, I'm not involved in these deals. So yeah. I, I'm not in the, in the need to know basis there. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, on a topic that way, I assume you don't need vouchers or SPS for that. Correct. Yeah. We don't know what the, the price will be. Um, I think they said there's only a thousand uh, that are going to be released. Is that correct? 500 in the game and 500 on Atomica. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, what would you just predict the price was going to be on Atomica? Uh, I, I mean, I'm, a, I'm guessing they'll kind of be similar prices to, to what it would cost to get the vouchers and the SPS in the game, but I, I don't know. I don't know who controls that pricing. Again, are the ones on Atomic Hub being marketed more for his fans that, okay, it's an NFT that you can buy. And yeah, ideally, then they then come into Splinterlands and, and be able to use it or that type of thing. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's being, I, I don't know uh, what the promotion is going to be like on his end where maybe maybe that's not the design. Maybe that's not necessarily who it's, who it's intended for. Yeah. um specifically so I, I there's so much to consider there that i don't have the i don't have the information to really i know there's so many people criticizing it and why can't we have level ones and that's just kind of me coming up with a with a theory on on why um again i don't have inside inside info there yeah but i yeah. mean the the good thing about it is even though it's going to be it's good it's probably going to be for whales because they said it's going to cost hundreds of vouchers and thousands of sps so I mean, you're at that. You're probably looking at five hundred dollars minimum to go to go buy the card. So it's going to be one that's that's fairly expensive. Um, but anything that drives value to SPS and drives value to vouchers is going to benefit is going to benefit everybody. We talked about how SPS skyrocketed before the presale. That presale was for whales only, um, but it drove up the, the price of everything and everybody benefited. Everybody had better battle rewards because the prices were, were so high. And even the players in bronze and silver were, were making so much more per battle because of the presale that was specifically for whales. So this type of sale isn't going to have near the impact as, as a presale, but if it's something that we can continue to do over and over again, maybe not specifically this, but constantly having things that you need vouchers for, that's going to drive up the price to SPS and that raises everybody, everything up in the community. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's interesting that the card is not only a Splinterlands card, right? On the, on the back side of the NFT is also, you know, customized music as well as kind of a 360 spinning image uh, of Waka Flocka on the back and then kind of an animated version of the card, right? It's kind of like a, a, both a PFP or, or just kind of art collectible as well as a Splinterlands card. So I think it makes sense that they're splitting it up half 
um, on Atomic Hub, half on SplitOS itself. Um, but you know, it's, it's interesting that the deal is not 100% centered around Splinterlands. It's centered around kind of Waka Flocka entering the NFT space. Um, and it, it's kind of just a, an avenue because Splinterlands knows NFT so well that they're able to you know, kind of take Waka Flocka into the NFT universe. Yeah, and, it, and it's a great way to, I mean, Splinterlands, I don't know, I don't know how the, the profits are divided and, and who's getting what portion or how much the deal costs or, or anything. But like as companies look at this, it's okay. You get to bring in revenue, and you get a and you get marketing out of it. So it's like it's like a kind of a win win where you get you get the best of both worlds, and it becomes huge for the game. Big time, big time, huge. So who do we think is coming after Waka Flocka? Okay, who 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 is the next big name? Oh, Tiger oh. Woods, Ariana Grande. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I wouldn't even be able to guess. Um, yeah, I would so say many Steve Aoki. Steve Aoki has a shot. I know he's really big into crypto gaming. Um, so if anyone, if, if it could be anyone, that's who I would think it might be. That'd be sick. I mean, I mean, if anybody's big in the NFT gaming, how can you look at how can you look at this card and not think I want that too? I want a piece of this. This is awesome. Yeah, I can I can sell this to I can I can profit off of having something like this like the I. I would be super, super stoked. 100%. Well, our final topic here is, do you see Splinterlands in the future becoming a prominent title? Uh, it could We could be talking about the, the current uh, trading card game that they're doing with NFTs and stuff. We could be talking about a potential future where they introduce newer games. Do you see Splinterlands being on the same level as other esports titles that are more prominent that may not be on the blockchain, such as League of Legends, uh, any of the ri other Riot-based games, um, Overwatch, uh, Apex Legends? I know that a lot of those are, are FPS shooters or, uh, you know, Pokemon or even uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel released a brand new platform for itself on Steam a couple weeks ago, and that's just been taking the internet by storm. You know, uh, people know these bigger names, but... Can Splinterlands get there? Oh, there's actually, there's absolutely a path for them to become not, I don't know, maybe it's a little aggressive to say on that level. Um, I mean, I certainly think they, they can. Um, that's the, that's, that's certainly a, a long road ahead, but they, I mean, they've hired somebody that's exclude. That's their entire job is to focus on making Splinterlands an esport. So there are, there are certainly a lot of changes that, that have to happen. Um, but Splinterlands is, is dedicated to going down that path. So, so yes, I absolutely think they, they can get there. Um, as the game is set up now, it's, it's not set up to be, to be an esport, but, but hopefully we see some of those, these changes and that can be, that can help grow the game. Yeah. yeah, I think that it may make sense, you know, for just for a better esport that, you know, they release a version of the game that's more actively played, right? I think Spellands is good as a, a game with, you know, longevity built into it and a game that's, you know, almost a, a blend between a casual game and an esport. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if right now with the current game mechanics that, you know, a, a game that's entirely simulation based um, and, and not, you know, somewhat active uh, in the sense that you're submitting your lineup. Um, but you know, I, I think if they're to to make a version of the game that's you know almost more like God's Unchained, uh, that certainly has a, a better potential. Um, but I think you know the non-active portion of the game holds it back a little bit from an esports sense. 
Well, certainly. Said. And that, and that is something that will improve as we add the land expansions. Cause one of the things the land expansion is adding is items and snow cards. So you're going to have a second layer of setting cards, second strategy layer that, that will help a little bit to that. Now it's still not going to be a hundred percent active. Um, but I don't know. I mean, there's only so much they can do there because part of the appeal to the game is also that the battles are only three minutes long. That, yeah. I mean, that was part of why I got into it is I can, submit it while I'm on my lunch break or whatever, or do things quickly and don't have time to sit down and play a 45 minute card game or, or whatever the case is. Um, but no, that will help. And I mean, the, the big thing that, that they are working on is that is accessibility. Like when you're looking at a lot of these, whether it's esports or traditional sports, one of the things that, that people like is being able to, to go in on their own and, and kind of, kind of try to replicate what they, what they see. Like I, uh, a lot of these, these esports play, even these top players, it's not even that they're they're not necessarily doing something that the average gamer can't. They're just doing it more consistently um, and, and doing it over and over again. But you can still have players that jump, whether it's a first-person shooter or, I mean, you mimic Steph Curry in the driveway shooting your fadeaway three-pointers. I, I mean, like people like to go in and, and try try to act like that. And Splinterlands right now, if you watch a Diamond League battle you're watching decks that are worth $250,000 and it's a completely foreign game to you. And you can't go in and necessarily necessarily play that or, or, or try to get into those, those battles or try to try to compete in, in any way there. So, so part of it's going to be trying to make these more accessible. And so people are watching a game that, Oh, Hey, I can go play the same game with these same abilities and, and that type of thing and finding ways to, to integrate that in there somehow. Well, yeah, they've been, they've been teasing spells for quite a while. I mean, they, they brought that announcement out maybe six months ago. Uh, is there like an estimated date when that's actually going to come into the game? Land is, I mean, it's still, it's still probably several months out. I know the original about now, like the, the start of this year was kind of the original date and then things got delayed so much when the game blew up and they, they had to spend like two or three months just working on servers to make the game, oh, wow, yeah. the game playable. Um, Cause it wasn't built to handle. I mean, they, they were growing like 10 to 20 times in a, in a month. Um, and it was just, it was just kind of insane. So everything, everything kind of got pushed back a little bit. Um, I mean, it, it's still, I, I don't know if they have any, any necessarily tie, timeline, but it was, it was still looking like middle of this year was kind of when we were thinking it was, it was going to get here. So not in the immediate future, but it's not too far off. Yeah. I remember, gosh, you brought up memories. I remember every day, it, all the announcements in the Splinterlands Discord were, you know, we're working on the servers, Matt thinks he's found a fix. Um, uh, you know, I remember during the Crypto Stash Classic, we had some server issues, but, uh, you know, I haven't seen anything in a while. I think they've got it all sorted out. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, hopefully we do have server problems again, because hopefully we grow 10 to 20 times in a month, <laughs> in a month again. So, so you never know, but anytime you, you reach those of too many people are playing the game, that, that's always a good problem to have. Well, Bulldog, appreciate your time here today. Jacob, same to you. This has been a fantastic episode. So much gone over, so much deep diving. Now we come to the surface and we bid farewell. But we hopefully get to see you again in the future soon. Maybe a little bit of time after you've gotten comfortable in that community manager role at Splinterlands. We would love to have you back again, as you were one of the most requested people when we asked our, our community, who do you want to see? And so 
Thank you so much for your time here today. And thank you to all of you watching this video here today. If you enjoyed what you were watching, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Be sure to like this video, share it with your friends, and continue to watch for more Esports Forever podcasts. Once again, a big shout out to EMP Money as well. Thank you so much for your sponsorship and go check them out too. As for now, we're out on this video. I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.